live for another episode of First Strike. Before we start the show, got to give a shout out to our sponsors, face-to-facegames.com, the number one place to get your Magic Gathering singles. And if you're watching live, the Cyber Monday sale is still going on for about two and a half hours. So if you got some cards that you want to get, 15% off all Magic the Gathering singles and, and Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, all the other card games if you're into that stuff as well. So check out face-to-facegames.com. You can even, you'll have two hours after the show to shop around. So definitely check them out. So for people in the show, that's like only one additional hour. Let's say you had a, a ton of face-to-face credit for some reason. Would that, that's a, can you maybe, maybe put like, oh, I don't know. A lot of those full art basic lands, like just available. Like, normally, you only have like four available. This is like twenty. <laughs> just maybe another hour because I was going to go to the gym after this. But you know, we can special considerations for members of the, of the podcast. <laughs> Member slash guest. I'm not. I'm a guest. That's <laughs> on me. He's like, yo, Michael J. Do you want to be on my podcast? I really like this podcast. It's like actually one of the few podcasts I have a subscription to. And you could tell on my phone, like, it's like, beep, beep, beep. And it has like the little number. And it says that like, you know, another podcast got done. I like this podcast, right? I'm like, oh, cool. So then I texted my friend BR Yang. And I'm like, yo, BR Yang, it's your lucky night. And he texted me back. I got some bad news for you, kid. (laughs) I was just like, What? And then KYT didn't even record any of the funny stuff we were talking about earlier. <laughs> oh my god! Literally every episode encapsulated in that comment. That was that was perfect. Um, I, I know Mike actually listens to my shows because every couple of episodes there'll be someone comes out with an outrageous uh, claim that he has, he wants to refute. And he's like KYT, why did this guy say this? Uh, but uh, I, I want to say like how happy I am. My sensei that for- formally introduced one of. The pioneers of magic theory, uh, magic Michael J. Flores is in the house. Uh, someone who helped me make matter deprived what it was seven years ago. So uh, this guy means a lot to me, and I'm ecstatic to have you on for the first time in the show a year after I launched this new podcast venture of mine. So uh, and you were one of its first biggest fans. Like after a couple of episodes, you ring me up just to tell me how much you liked it and how much you obviously huge fan of Brian's. So. And I like lots of people who are on the show. For example, Doug P. <laughs> on tonight. I like Doug P. a lot. But I don't, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm sure you have other, other co-hosts who are also serviceable. They're just fine. They're just fine. We got Rob in the house. How's it going, Rob? Who is uh, the, the classified serviceable. Are, the, the daggers are flying early. <laughs> it's okay. I can take it. I can take it. I got thick skin. <laughs> okay, we got we got lots to cover, uh, especially uh, the latest community I, stuff. Uh, yes, Mike. <laughs> oh, I, I like Rob because he says all kinds of stuff I can disagree with, but Br Yang always agrees with position, and then and I'm like, oh, he got him. But then sometimes he might be right, and the Br Yang would be like, I disagree. <laughs> Do that. <laughs> then. Ed, this is a great. This is a great podcast. I like this format because it shows me going like I have. Okay, I like it. Mike, your quality's breaking up a lot. <laughs> okay, and are you playing me off? Are you gonna? No, no, we're losing you. We're not. 
<laughs> we're not playing you off. Not yet. Uh, but we're, we got community stuff to cover. We got standard. We got modern. Uh, especially exciting because Mike is actually heading to SCG Invitational. Uh, but let's start off with, with something funny. So we created, Rob specifically created the Grixis Dragons deck, and it ended up being covered on a number of high-profile podcasts, namely the Game Podcast and Top Level Podcast. And Flores did not really give your deck that much a of a high, high review. Yeah, why don't you keep calling it a Dragons deck, Rob? Answer, answer. <laughs> Uh, it was mostly for the walls. What dragons are in this deck? There's Glorybringer. He's a dragon. And uh, there's a Nickel Bolas on the board. He's a dragon. So therefore, uh, he is a dragon. I, I, I wrote Grixis Dragons like on my sheet. I don't know if um if that's what Sergio wrote on his on his deck list, if he wrote <laughs> Grixis Dragons or Grixis Energy. But my hope was that uh Eventually, it would get posted somewhere as Grixis Dragons, and then people could lament the fact that it was un- it was very poorly named, and it should be Grixis Energy. But then Watsi ended up just calling it Grixis Midrange. So, right. So, was this just a trick to get me to talk? I don't even remember what. But I. It might have been something along the lines of Gifted Aetherborn is a better card than uh, than Glitzleaf Siphoner. If you could cast a Gifted Aetherborn, I don't know what you would play for. Yeah, you did. You did say that, and I think that is yeah. insanity. Yeah, I think Glyph. You think it's insanity? Yeah, like Glyph Sleep Sniper is actually uh, the reason. Th- that was the whole reason I wanted to play this deck over over Teamer was I was like, hmm, Glyph Sleep Sniper is really good against like all of these blue white decks that just want to do nothing and can't really kill your creatures unless you attack. I just want to like draw a bunch of cards and then have some negates and duresses. I, I've changed the Grixis list so much that I need to go back and look at what Sergio played exactly <laughs> at the Grand Prix. Rob, wasn't the last good deck you built also a Dragon's deck? Is that possibly part of the reason why you also call this one Grixis Dragon? It's possible, yeah. I'm sure that it subconsciously it's... played a... Right. Um, You're like, I did it again! <laughs> <laughs> this... So I, I'm going to become the Dragon. Is this way better? Uh... Yes, yes, it's much better. I, I live changed. I live changed the uh, um, the internet connection to my phone from my Wi-Fi. So. Your phone yeah, has a way. better internet connection than your Wi-Fi. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we have a, a brand. I, don't, I won't say the brand in case I would get in trouble for bullying them or something. But it's a large brand, perhaps, of services that include. Phones and cables and HB. This is not working, Mike. I think he's full dead. <laughs> How the hell do you record top level? Comcast, That's my question. Comcast heard him talking bad, and uh, this is what happens. I think we're gonna have to come back around to Flores' car. <laughs> he's like <laughs> infinite. His frozen picture was a very. Uh, a very humorous one. I think my favorite part about all this, though, is that he's probably the most experienced podcaster out of <laughs> anyone in the magic community. <laughs> it's great. I love it. All right. So, <laughs> what's next? <laughs> well, we're supposed to cover standard with him <laughs> and how he's, I, he's 99% to play um, approach, is what he told me. So, how about me? Am I back? Sorry, you are back. 
Sweet. We lost everything that you had. Like <laughs> this video died. <laughs> it wasn't just me then, right? Like it's Google's fault. I think that Hangouts is not a, a very robust program at this point. Yeah, I agree with that. I would also like to blame Google. Oh, you sound better, Vince. Did any? Okay. No. Did anyone hear my story about having my cables cut? Or did that that was, I I was like, oh, here's my story, blah 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 blah. blah. Then like. But but like I was just looking, and then like everyone's face was frozen, and I was just like, "Oh man, maybe I wasted that story." <laughs> you, did, you did, yeah. You were talking about you're you're trying to be nonchalant about um, uh, you know, calling out your carrier for having bad services, and then you died, and then I made a joke about how Comcast heard you, and then they just decided to cut your services. <laughs> First of all, that's that's not my carrier, but that was a very appropriately late joke, and I would like to commend you. <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you record top level podcasts on such crappy internet? I don't understand. I I don't know, man. Like we just record it on Skype, which is fine. Like I was just talking to you on Skype earlier. Like, oh wow, you sound great. Just click this link, and then like, first of all, an African prince was like, "Send me your paycheck." Maybe that's what you have to do to get this podcast. But then now we're on this format where I don't sound great anymore. I don't know, KYT. Maybe you should use the platform I use. Um, I know. Maybe, maybe. Uh, so we were, we were. It was cutting apart. So you're saying that Gaither Aetherborn, like, let's just wrap up that little segment. Gift that Aetherborn's way I better than Siphoner. I think it is a better card than Clean Sleep Siphoner by a mile. You can tell that by a couple of ways. Number one, it has BB in the upper right instead of B1. That would be your first signal. And <laughs> if you can cast it, right, then, like, it's one thing, it's hard to cast, okay? Like, oh, okay, I can't cast it. Then maybe I have to play the one with B and 1. So there's a lot of reasonable decks that can cast a B and 1 and cast, can't cast a B and B. But if Rob has made a deck that can cast a B and B, if it were me, I would want to select the more powerful card. However, Glintsleep Siphoner is a card you might want four of. Maybe you just have that many drops. I think the other thing that I said that I, that I found was odd is uh, the count of Gonti versus Hostage Taker. Is that something I said? First of all, Hostage Taker is a bananas Magic the Gathering card. I think that Gonti is very dangerous, specifically for blue-white decks, but kind of only in decks with Liliana's Death's Majesty. Like, the problem is, like, if you get, like, Gonti to Liliana's Death's Majesty, like, you can't beat them, right? You can't, like, you just keep killing it, they just keep Gontiing you, and eventually you're, like, Oh, counter your spell with your own thing. Ha <laughs> ha, dum-dum. You're like, oh, I'll cast Approach of the Second Sons. Beachy dogs. It's never cast from your hand. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> um, so, but you can cast it. Like, you just gain seven life. That would be gas, you know? And you're like, <laughs> this is going into your... It goes into their deck, Wait. though. But... Yeah, it does. <laughs> I know. It's so <laughs> ironic. Like, <laughs> um, okay, before we get... Before we get too far down this rabbit hole, I just want to go back to a comment you made about being able to determine the strength of a card given how many pips it has. So are you trying to also make the argument that Ronus's last stand is better than Longtusk Cub, given that it costs green green and not I, one G? I don't know where Ronus's last stand is. It's not on my list of playables. It's, it's GG, make a 5-4. I, I know. Uh, exert your lands. <laughs> Uh, I think that Ronus's Last Stand is probably better than Long Tusk Cub in a deck that doesn't have access to energy. I don't know. I, I never tried it. Maybe like, there's lots of cards that... I agree. I that, agree with you. I think that... That don't, that don't make the cut, right? 
I think if the Aetherborn is also better in a deck that doesn't have access to energy, then <laughs> then I mean, uh, then Glistly Fifener. I, I I think there are different paradigms of how how to build decks, right? And if you're saying like I'm going to play a linear aggro deck or I'm going to play a kind of a one plus one equals three synergy deck, often make choices that will involve weaker card to card, you know, you know, individual choices. But I don't think that's what's going on here. I think there are a fair number of energy cards, but this is far from a deck where you're playing, you know, 30, 30 cards that are exploiting the energy mechanic, right? Like, you have some energy cards. Marvel deck, you know, or something like that. It, it, you have a lot of cards. If my, if my you know, recollection is correct, like Gonti and Hostage Taker, which are just really good cards really good in certain contexts or in certain matchups. They're not like, you don't really want hostage taker against approach. You don't really want Dante against red defense, but you know, you, I think you take my meaning. I agree. Yeah. You know, no, bodies, I... flexible, strong threat, threats. It's, it's like a, what do you call it? Um, this, like when, when, when I did Nia lightsaber, which I think is kind of Nia lightsaber. She's just the best thing that you can cast at a bunch of different, bunch of different costs. I literally just tried to pick the best card you could cast and then put that card in the deck. You're like, but four, four of this, four of this, four of this, one scoop mob. <laughs> you know, it's like one of that. Like, I remember that I had, scoop mob, actually. I do remember that. It said one scoop mob, man. There was one. And then we played three of Johnny's. Math. <laughs> oh, I get so many four drops. This show's out of control. Of <laughs> <laughs> a similar model, you know? You know, that where you just like hear a bunch of good cards and they have these casting costs. And if you're on a deck of that model, I think that you're like, I, I want six to drops. Gifted Aetherborn more often than you want Boonsleep Cypher. Which would you rather have against Red Aggro? Like, Red Aggro seems like a deck that would be good against your deck. I think Boonsleep Cypher is substantially weaker than Gifted Aetherborn against Red Aggro. Yeah, Red Aggro is, like, is good, but it's not, it was not popular. Uh, at that time, online, anyways, it's it's weird that deck. I don't know why. First of all, I I kind of love Red Aggro, and I kind of find it to be completely unplayable. So yeah, I, I don't know why anyone plays with it. it <laughs> like it's just half the top eight sometimes. But like, how did it beat all the Timberbacks? Don't know. Like, Some of its draws are insane. Like if it wins a bunch of its draw, like die rolls, and it it starts its opener with three haste creatures that is filling out its curve one two three. It can do some very, very annoying things. But yeah, when it doesn't but do I, that, it's very, very underwhelming. Cast a Whirler Virtuoso. Well, you're like, Whirler Virtuoso. They're like, oh, well. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> yeah, I have something on my sideboard for that. Sometimes that, that happens. But then they just respond with Ferocidon into Hazaret, And it's like, mm-hmm. eh. And they take <laughs> one from their Hazaret. <laughs> you're like, lol. <laughs> Has Block. It was huh? What if I had a way to create multiple blockers? <laughs> what are the chances? I have a yeah, plan I, that can make multiple sure. if blockers. An, if you have an endless stream of energy, you can hold Hazard off. But yeah. I think it usually when Hazard hits the board, it's the teamer deck is not happy about that card, regardless of what they have going on. I, I wish I could believe you, but I've been on the red side so many times, and I never beat the card Whirler Virtuoso. Just make a list, like, Glidsleep Siphoner, can't lose. <laughs> Whirler Virtuoso, can't win. <laughs> it's just, it's like a spectrum. Did I draw my third land? 
Yes. Okay. Glitz Sleep Swipener guy is dead. Okay. <laughs> Did my opponent draw his Yes. Is it red, blue, and other? Also, yes. Next game. <laughs> right? It's, that's how it is. It's just math. You're giving a lot of credit to Roller Virtuoso, I think. I, I think my opponents always draw three. So I'm like, I'm really smart. Oh, I'm so smart. Brain, <laughs> you were the virtuoso. Yeah, they get, like, one they get a one-one. They get a one-one. They get a one-one, which kills my Earthshaker Kenra. Right? <laughs> oh man, I don't want to trade my Bowman Courier for that. And then you're like, all right, another Whirler virtuoso. They're like, <laughs> yeah, that's chain of virtuosos. It's definitely bad for Mono Red. I. I completely... Yeah. Um, no, I don't think anyone can deny that. I literally quit playing. I think I went a combined, like, in FNMs playing Mono Red <laughs> three weeks in a row. <laughs> Never win. <laughs> Never ever. Can't win. Cannot defeat a 12-year-old kid Red deck. I tried Glorybringer main deck, <laughs> but I don't have Glorybringer. So I chose a different five drop. Still looking. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm collecting Hazaret. Oh, and by that I mean I'm taking up a collection so that I can have Hazaret in my deck. Lose to that kid. In two. <laughs> right. Can't can't win anymore. Right? Just can't win anymore. Like gotta play something else. Uh let's Mike, let's go straight to your deck choice then. What were you most likely to play be playing at the SEG invitational? And why? Um, well in modern, I bet it's gonna be hard to guess what I play in modern. Can you guess KYT? I wait, mean, wait. Let's let somebody else guess. Naya Burn Vince, you have known the cattles. Whoa. Naya I don't think I, are you, first of all, I have not had a green source of mana in my deck in the year two thousand and seventeen. <laughs> that is for savages. <laughs> for Sav- savages. You don't like structured yeah. revelry? You don't like structured no, revelry? Garbage. garbage. It's I mean, I think like, you just red. don't need it. You should just you just red I white. Mean, you just throw lightning healers. Tell you you can tell me how bad mono red is. Tell everyone. Just I'm sorry, red I, boros, yeah. Just tell everyone tell everyone how it's not good in modern. I would love it if everyone continued to believe. I, I just don't even know what to tell you. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's well positioned now. I, I would love it if you would continue to say those words <laughs> because it doesn't have any bad matchups. And people are like, oh, it's, it's poorly positioned. <laughs> Do you know how many tournament games I've lost to the card Death Shadow? I made top eight of a PPTQ and I will, unnamed Grand Prix top eight competitor, giving me like, giving me the business on their ball. Can't wait to play you. I can't even imagine listening to a burn deck. And I'm like, paired against him in the round of eight. You're going to be like, oh, wow. You can't even imagine losing to a burn deck. Meanwhile, I practiced this matchup like just in between rounds. I was 16 and 0 in between rounds. And I was just like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Eight minutes later, I asked him what part of his, his, his strategy wasn't executed to the way that he wanted. Because the matchup didn't look very close to me. <laughs> eight minutes later. Like, let me check something. You drew all the cards you wanted, including your sideboard cards, and I just killed you with that Boros charm. Weird! <laughs> Weird, you have the strategy of dealing 13 points of damage to yourself. <laughs> and I have a strategy of 
dealing seven points of damage to you. We're like peanut butter and chocolate. (laughs) It just gets along so great. It's awesome. (laughs) This is the best. Storm is the best deck in modern, and humans is the best deck in modern. Can't even take a game from Bird. (laughs) Everyone should keep playing these great modern decks. (laughs) It's like Eldrazi aggro. Like, just don't play that one. Yeah, that one's not good. Rob, tell him not to play Eldrazi aggro. I agree. Eldrazi aggro is not too. uh, It's too much variance for me. Funky. I don't think that that's how the metagame looks right now, actually. I think Jeskai Control... Yeah, Jeskai Control is the top deck. I don't don't think that's the I would suppose you don't have a a good matchup against a Spellcaller, Geistersing, Traff, Lightning, Helix, Snapcaster deck. I mean, I think decks with Snapcaster Mage in them are a joke. But, like, sure. What if they're Snap and Helix, though? That card literally says, I take four and tap out. What? Oh, your oh, I see. Your Eidolon is always in play and always alive. I mean, I don't know, man. I play a lot of modern. I would play modern if that were true. I would also play Eldrazi Tron if I always started with two Eldrazi Temples in my hand. Yeah, I mean, which I, I never I think, got to do. <laughs> SCG regionals, I played against Eldrazi Aggro, and I think I was pretty lucky to beat it in the Swiss. But like, it's. The, most of the cards and the deck choices are pretty close in power level in, in modern. But Burn is just like a deck that I think I can execute its plan really well. And I think most people are fun, just fundamentally don't understand how the matchups go. And they're just like, and that this deck is good against mono red. And then, I don't know, they get face planted like five minutes later. They, just didn't, they didn't understand like that their deck has no way to interact with the Grim Lava Mancer. Like, that would be a thing. <laughs> like, all right. You pick whatever cards you want to draw. Lava Mancer. Let's go. <laughs> what would you like to do? <laughs> because Ch- I've Ch- seen your Ch- necklace. Ones, I'm not seeing a reality smasher. <laughs> it doesn't have any way to remove this card. Creatures that have a toughness of three or greater, except for four Manta Riders. I'm sorry, Mantis Riders. <laughs> okay. So, let's see how this goes. I have one Grim Lava Mancer and some Fetch Lands. Please, put your Champion of the Parish ability on the stack. I will gladly allow that to happen. Your deck also doesn't have any instants. <laughs> so, you know. I think Mono Red should be favored against humans on average, I would suspect. Yeah, I think... Especially if you're playing the, I think full, I prob- the full four Searing Blazes. I had eight. You're playing Searing Blood? Yeah, I didn't lose very many games. Uh, the problem I had was after six, and then I was uh, second after seven, and then I was just like, oh, I'm going to draw into top eight now. And I was just like, I'm drawing into seventh, but if I play and lose, I'll just be eighth. And then my opponent in the round of eight just tron me on the third turn all three games. Um, but if I was on the play in, in, um, in game one, I would have just won the match. I lost a game on the draw that had three Monastery Swift Spears and three Lava Spikes. Just do the math. <laughs> Mathematically, that's more than 20 damage on turn three. <laughs> However, this is, this, this is not a playable hand anymore. So... 
all three Tron lands are a powerful combo. <laughs> yes, that is it, that is strong. Uh, but it was my own fault. I should have been on the play by not. It doesn't matter. I could just lose and then be an eighth, and I would have been in the same spot. I just made a decision to not win. Right. Don't, don't choose to lose. Don't do that. <laughs> Mike, Mike is someone that I, I'm one of the few people left that can just talk about a deck so much that gets me like convinced that it's the best deck to play. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, do you, do you think? What? Because when he talks about the deck, he, he just has all the cards he wants to play all the time. Like, Rob, I don't know about any deck that way, and it would be insane. This is the, this is the like, absolute no, I'm going to start with Death Shadow and 11 life, and I'm going to cast Team or Battle Rage on turn two with three life. You're dead. Like, <laughs> that seems good, right? <laughs> it's so, 20. I mean, other than, other than Eidolon, all the cards do the same thing for about the same casting cost. So, like, you just draw a distribution of lands and spells, you kill your opponent on the fourth turn. The deck's not that complicated. Right. No, no, I, I agree. Mike, I, I have played lots and lots and lots of mono-red. I am a mono-red player at heart. I just don't think the yeah. deck is uh, that good in modern right now, although Ooh. it has been in the past. I think maybe like two weeks ago, I almost played mono-red at my RPTQ, and I think it probably would have been a better choice than what I chose, which is Eldrazi Tron, given that like Humans was just up and coming. And I thought about the same decisions you did, which were like, maybe I should just play four Searing Blood as well and teach these stupid humans players a lesson for casting all of these weak, toughness creatures. Uh, but now that, like, the format has moved to be, like, have this Jeskai deck in it, I just, like, really do not want to play against Lightning Healer's deck when I have a bunch of mounts in my deck. It's just not where I, I mean, want to be. Burn itself is a Lightning Helix deck, right? I think, I think there's some stuff that... Like, if you just go first, their Geist is just blocking. I mean, that's humiliating, right? Like, they're just Geist on B, and it trades with your, you know, Goblin Guide or your Idol. They can't let it in, right? Like, what are they going to do? Take six? Yeah, that's, that's a recipe for winning the game. Like, oh, yeah. I'm ex-proof. What are they taking six? To take six here. Okay. How are they You're taking dead. six? Wait, who is taking six? The Mono Red player is taking six from Geist, right? No, no, no. I'm saying the Geist guy has got a Geist in play, and you're attacking with your mono-red creatures, or your red-white creatures, right? You, do they not block? You can't just no, take I mean, six unopposed, or four unopposed, you're just gonna die. Yeah, it's, very, it's very unlikely that um, any of your creatures get to attack in the first three turns, right? Like, just given how the deck is structured, like, four bolt, four path, three helix, two electrolyze, two spell snare, and three logic knot. Like, it's just a lot of like, interaction. They even have Helix, Ambush, Helix is a good Ambush card. Viper. Ambush Viper is pretty good against Goblin Guide. Helix is a good card. You think trading two cards and double the mana <laughs> to trade with a Goblin Guide on the second turn is a good interaction? I don't know. I, yeah, it's, exactly. fine. it's fine because you're in the control deck, there, you're allowed to be mana efficient in the early games against Mono Red. Because the mono red deck gets more and more mana inefficient as the game goes on, because they just don't have any card advantage. So, like, you just end up after turn four and five, you have four lands in play, and you're only able to spend two mana a turn if you're lucky enough to continue to draw spells. I, I just like I've been on both sides of this matchup a lot, and I've never wanted to play against Jeskai Control when I'm playing mono red. And I've always been happy to play against mono red when I'm playing Jeskai Control. There's uh, just too many one mana, like 
spells that interact favorably with the creatures that Mono Red cares about. And at some point, they just get the Lightning Helix, Snap Lightning Helix, and that is usually the game. Rob, uh, what's making you think Jeskai is going to be prominent? Because it's the most most popular deck online. The the SCG players just just play the decks that they qualified. That, that, yeah, that might be true. (laughs) I mean, like, the reason I play Mono Red and Modern is that's the deck I own. Like, that's the one. I own that one. That's fair. Very good good that deck. Yeah, a lot of people are in that boat. It's difficult. That's why Modern is so difficult to metagame sometimes. Because it's like, I don't, people might just play what they have. And online, it's not like that, right? If I want to get out of Jeskai and into Jund, I can do that in about three minutes. <laughs> I hope people play Jund and Abzan, because those decks, you just never lose. <laughs> like, going inside the draw, no problem. You win on, like, turn five. Like, it's just, no problem. <laughs> do you have a standard deck that you're, you, you're, uh, you're keen on, though? Or is you, are you open at this point on what standard deck you're going to play? Uh, I'm probably going to play Approach. Um, under the theory a that... A good approach deck or, when, like, a bad approach deck? I mean, if I if I said I was going to play a bad approach deck, that would probably leave room for me to improve it at that point, right? I think my deck is pretty good. Um, like, I think that there's not that much difference in, in approach decks, but uh, I think it's pretty good. Um, and the reason I like approach is because it always wins game one. I mean, games two and three, who knows, right? Beating <laughs> you in game one, other than another approach deck. So, you know, if you, you know, just draw your lands and stuff, you just kill their creatures and they complain about how many Vraska's contempts are in their hand at the end of the game. Like, I had this many essence scatters, this many abrades, this many Vraska's contempts, and this many fumigates, all in my hand at the end of game one. That's a that's some nonsense. By gaining seven life, what an ignominious finish to my standard game. Let's go to sideboards while I'll bring in three duress. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes people have lost legacy. That's kind of it. So I always side out an approach because I don't know if they're going to have lost legacy, but I assume the mono red deck would have it. They probably have like two aether hubs that they'll draw. <laughs> Boom, boom, Lost Legacy, turn three. I feel like they've deserved it. They've certainly earned the win if they get to Lost Legacy in the moment. Only if they play hubs, though. Like, if they play two dragon skulls like a sane person, then they're not allowed to draw it. Rob, do you have an opinion about approach? Are you going to inform me about stuff, make my life, you know, somewhat less difficult? Not really, no. I don't think the deck's very good. Uh, But, like, are, are you leaning towards maybe, like, I don't hate the Esper version as most, like the uh, as much as the other ones, like the blue white version that kind of can slide into a Scarab God package after board. Um, yeah, it's not for me. I, <laughs> so you're just like straight blue white. Yeah, I don't. I I don't think you gain much from the other colors. Um, like I don't really want you gain it. The Scarab God, you gain the you best just, card in standard. You're just okay, let's be honest, dude. Some combination of Long Tusk Cub and a two. Card standard. <laughs> People can talk about these other things, but like, uh, I don't know, man. There's a lot of different variations on decks with Long Tusk Cub okay, that are mauling these other decks. The most powerful card in standard. The most powerful card in standard is Scarab. It's the most powerful card. It, it's. I mean, I mean, approach is also very powerful. It's card. a good. When you cast it. 
Like good chance that you win. Like approach is a really powerful card. I, I think it just depends, right? Like sometimes you want to search for a scanta. Sometimes you want a treasure map. Sometimes you want a thematic compass. Are you playing? Sometimes you want to Jiru with eyes open. Are you playing? No, I, I I had a a red deck, a red white deck I liked a lot that had all the cards that I just named, but I think I'd rather just play approach because approach is a pretty focused deck. Like just all you have to do is stay alive long enough to cast approach twice, and you always win. Yeah. So just that's that seems like a an easier thing to do than to navigate forty turns a game. What's like, your I'm gonna slowly you? win. What's your settle fumigate split? Are you like four and two, four oh, and one? Four three. Three fumigates. So you're, oh, expect, look at how you're expecting a lot of timber there, I guess, at the SCGA. Yeah, I mean I think people are so I think that it doesn't really matter what version of approach you are on, you're probably behind against mono red. And you know, maybe you'll win if you're on the play, but I'm, I still wouldn't bank on it. You know, and then I just think just sideboard heavily against mono red and then just try to beat everybody else. And uh have sideboard cards and have a main deck set up to win the mirror. That's the way. I mean, I have four. Um, uh, what the heck is the ghost quarter called? Uh, field of Ruin? Yeah, four Field of Ruins. I'm playing uh, Hieroglyphic Illumination instead of. I don't understand playing Opt. This makes no sense to me. Why not just play Hieroglyphic Illumination? This is the same thing, but sometimes you drop two. It's <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. same thing. I think, are you playing Gearhulk in the main or no? No. That, that just ensures that your opponent's Essence Scatter is going to hit. Because at the point you're playing Gearhulk, if they have Essence Scatter in their deck, it's going to be in their hand. No one's playing like, Essence Scatter now, though, right? Oh, I guess in the mirror they're playing Essence Scatter. But like at least the Teamer decks have cut them. I don't know. I think that if I were playing Teamer, I would play Essence Scatter. It doesn't seem to me like Essence Scatter has lost value in Teamer. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying. They're just letting you play the creatures now, and they're just like confiscation coup instead. <laughs> it seems to be <laughs> the plan of action. Yeah. Uh, cool. Okay, no, you can have yeah, the scrap Yeah, no, I guess I the, thing that I, the thing that makes me so warm and, mana. <laughs> warm and fuzzy on the inside about Standard is that Teamer's the most popular deck, and they just have nothing that they can possibly do to you if you keep hitting your land drops. Like, all they do is play dudes, and all you do is kill dudes. <laughs> And then, like, eh, here's a card that says win the game. <laughs> Do you have a way to interact with it? I know that the answer is no. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think actually uh, I've, I've tested some approach, and I think it is the best deck if you can ensure you hit your land drops and draw an approach. I just <laughs> couldn't. I like all of I like just kept. kept getting stuck on six mana, and I had enough. I was like, this deck sucks on six mana. <laughs> Like, I have like 25, 25 lands, lands and a bunch of draw spells is not enough. I'm out. I don't know. There's no perfect deck, right? Like, there's every single player in the tournament's going to be pretty good. They're going to be better than the average player at your LGS, right? Probably not as good as the average player at the Pro Tour. Um, you know, but I, I'm comfortable playing against players at the Pro Tour, you know. They're, but, you know, they're all going to be pretty good. Uh, they're all going to have playable decks. Um, and, you know, I don't know. Just try to try to make the decisions that you can that put you in the best likelihood to win. Uh, but I, I don't know. It sounds to me like you and I have just different paradigms about how we would choose decks. I, I think That's, that people... I would choose the best deck in the format. <laughs> I think people... Which I think you do. I think people say that and that they, then they actively choose a deck that has a 45% win ratio. Like, I'm just not interested in it. Like, people, I say, I'm going to play the best deck, but then they just 
play the deck that they, in their limited experience, perceive to be the most powerful deck, or to have the most powerful card or the most powerful interaction. And then they will say something like, this deck is insane, despite the fact that it has a sub 50% win ratio against the room. So that I would, I think that people do that all the time. Like, I think that like prominent content creators are constantly touting decks that have sub 50% win ratios because they do something that the content creator, you know, has like a scratch on. Like this is just look at our, our various uh, outlook towards uh, burn decks in modern. Uh, I, I read articles by pro tour champions who write about modern a lot. And I just got to say their experiences with burn are nowhere near my experiences with burn. Like, and I, I often like, I don't understand. I don't even understand what they're saying. Right. Like, I don't understand the concept of just giving your opponent a bunch of giant growths and then laying down with your legs in me. Like, <laughs> they, that, it seems like that's, that's oh, well, the, what's going to happen is the burn deck is going to make your creatures really big and then just be like, oh, yeah, here I am. <laughs> Come for me, big man. You know, like, so I guess if they play like that, then burn's not very good. But, like, what if it's just like, oh, well, if the game goes long, you know, the Jeskai deck is in substantial position to win because it has this, this, and this. I mean, I don't know. Have you ever just played a game where you just played a land every turn? Just like, play land, don't break your fetches, don't break your fetches. Just like, oh, you're accumulating cards. And then your opponent does something, and then you cast seven spells in one turn, and then they're like, oh, wait. I saw those spells because my cards cost four. You're like, I know. <laughs> Here's a Searing Blaze for your you know, Snapcaster Mage. And they're like, I didn't think that you could do that. I'm like, I know. I could tell by how you were playing that you completely underestimated my ability to pace Magic the Gathering spells. Because in your mind, my deck just does this. <laughs> Let us interact on a one-for-one card basis. One spell per turn. I will cast a Lava Spike. You will cast a cryptic command. Oh no! Like, what if they just didn't do that, right? Like, but like oh. a lot of people play burn that way and actually play it to success. So that's probably part of the problem, right? Is that you I, don't actually need to play burn suit. Like, I'm not trying to to talk bad about burn at all here, but like, there are people that will play burn not well and spike tournaments, and that's part I mean, of the problem. Like, my really good friend and collaborator, um, Roman Fusco, uh, was, the, was the reigning regional champion with, uh, with our Boros Burn deck from last year. And I just played Nexum all day in this tournament uh, recently. And he lost to a Grixis deck in the top eight. And I was just like, just like I don't understand your play sequence. He's just like, oh, I just played the cards and the lands that I drew in order. And I'm like, but you got your spells countered. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? That's what their cards do. I'm like, I would have resolved every one of my cards. If, 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 if I was sitting in your chair, all of my spells would have resolved. You took 12 points of damage from a Snapcaster Mage. <laughs> and then he killed you. <laughs> the Snapcaster Mage would have never dealt any damage to me. In fact, he would have taken <laughs> Like, oh, well, how does that happen? It's like... You got frustrated because you were a little mana flooded. So you broke one of your fetch lands. That was your mistake. Now, as a sorcery, 
Because you have to play it only in a certain way because you took away optionality from yourself. But like, you just gotta, you gotta just, you gotta be one, man. You gotta be like, oh yeah, I understand how a lava spike works. You just gotta love, you gotta love a lava spike. Um, you know, if you don't love a lava spike, you, you <laughs> might cast really it. That's really the episode game this week. You gotta love a lava spike? <laughs> Look, a lava spike, this is the thing. A lava <laughs> spike is the most perfect card in Magic the Gathering. It does one thing. You can't misplay it, okay? <laughs> a lightning bolt, you can misplay a lightning bolt half a dozen different ways that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay? You can screw up with a, light, with a lightning bolt. You could, you could screw up with a board. Like, how many times have you asked yourself, should I give double strike more damage if I, if I do four? Oh, sometimes indestructible is not... Uh, like, it's a freaking Poros charm. How is this so difficult, right? But you can play it wrong. You can play a lightning bolt wrong. There's so many ways to play a searing blaze wrong. Like, just being frustrated and breaking your fetch land that actually makes it so that you lose optionality to your deck because there's a finite number of targets in your library, right? And depending on how long the game has gone, you literally just could have cut your own legs off, right? But a lava spike, it's only one thing. <laughs> it's one mana, it's three damage, and it's to face, right? <laughs> no problems. Like, there's no hitting the wrong creature. There's a, nothing. <laughs> it's even sorcery speed, so you can't even play it at oh, the yeah. wrong time. You can't play it at the wrong time, right? It's, it is the perfect Magic the Gathering card. And when I say this thing, it's like, functionally speaking, most of these cards do the same thing. But if you have a card like that that just takes away all of the wrong decisions that you might make with it, fewer wrong decisions you'll make over the course of a tournament. You choose a deck that has cards with built-in, you know, bowling bumpers. Um, I don't know. KYT, I have to go literally in one minute. Okay. Because um, I told my wife I would be off at 10, and she's just like, probably, she's like, yo, man, you're supposed to be off at 10. Uh, are we not going to talk about social issues? Because that's why B.R. Yang didn't come. Yeah. And then, well, <laughs> and then so we're talking about modern, which is his favorite thing to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> the ultimate B.R. Yang troll. KYT <laughs> got him. <laughs> this is this is this is and this is ng i mean I, I i guess we'll pull you off we'll pull you off i would have would have liked to just, have give, just just give me a moder- a, 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 a community question i'll answer okay, and you can I play just, me off because you have the real podcast and vince can talk because i dominate the podcast um <laughs> you always do but mike you invited me <laughs> I knew this was happening. Anyways, I would like you to elaborate, maybe elaborate your, your conversation with, with Travis Wu, because in your last tweet, you said how it might not be the best platform um, when you talked about like what um, like wizards should want, um, what they should do, and, and based on what. Um, it's really hard for me to summarize the whole combo right now in less than a minute, but maybe you can give a, a piece. The idea that, so I, one of the things that Travis said is that, you know, wizards should, I don't know, disavow X, Y, or Z, right? And I said, well, why should they do this other than you want them to do it, right? And among other things, he said, well, lots of people want peace. I'm like, okay, well, who cares what lots of people Lots of people want conflict. That, that's clearly the case that lots of people want conflict. Some, you know, what does lots of people mean? Some people seem to want peace at the cost of this thing, right? Is, is it okay if we scapegoat this person for peace or if we scapegoat this person for peace, you know? 
which one is acceptable under what criteria. So anyway, point being, I don't care what lots of people want. You know, I think that Wizards is a, they have stewardship obligations that are far beyond uh, any one person's opinion, you know, my opinion included. And, and I think they should do whatever they want. And I think that what lots of people say that they want is literally irrelevant. I think that, first of all, you know, you're alluding to some hostilities, a conflict that happened kind of over the weekend, et cetera. Uh, I didn't know who I think 75% of the people who are supposed to be the big names are in this, like, you know, 56 hours ago, I had no idea who any of them were. Uh, I don't know why you would want to watch somebody open packs of magic. Uh, doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> sure. But they have clearly accomplished something that I was never able to accomplish in my 20 odd years of being a principal, <laughs> a principal, uh, you know, strategy writer and creator of this game. Like, I, I don't know, man. I, Flores Rewards never had 250,000 subscribers. I had to say that. All right. So something I never touched, but I, I, I don't understand um, why, why someone want to do that, but you know, uh, versus needs to the discourse between me and Rob tonight. That's really what people should want. To do. Uh, but anyway, like uh, I, all I which would is, say, which is, is great, which is great fun. I mean, just to point it up, but go ahead. I love the discourse. Uh, all I would say is, is uh, Mark Rosewater is a friend of mine, relatively good friend of mine, 20 odd years, um, friends with Christine Sprinkle, but she is the only guest we've ever had on top of a podcast. I, it, her forthrightness and her craft and how important she has been to a part of the community who um, who had no representation before, you know, there was a comment like, you know, real magic players don't care about cosplay. I mean, am I a real magic player? And since know. the year that the game came out, um, I don't know. I wrote the most referenced article in the history of the game and have designed multiple pro tour, t- uh, winning decks played on, uh, you know, am I, you know, I play every Friday night now. Am I, am I a real magic player? Because I think that Kristen Sprinkle rocks. I think that Ashlyn Rose rocks, you know, like that, and I love looking at both of their work, right? I mean, I don't know all the cosplayers, right? But I follow both of them on multiple media channels. And, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not just for, you know, impulses, you know. They, all, they got all kinds of free versions of that that you can, that you can get in, in other contexts on the internet. I actually think that, like, you know, and, you know, obviously, you know, there's some tongue-in-cheek stuff going on. But I consider, I consider those people friends. And I think that, you know, I, not even knowing who a lot of the players were a week ago, if people are going to like, you know, jump on your friends, of course you're going to not, not be on that side. Like, I don't need to know that many of them, right? Like, if somebody started talking about how terrible a person B.R. Yang was, and it wasn't me, and I, I would auto not like that person, at least to start, right? And they would have a real good reason to not like B.R. Yang. B.R. Yang beat me with Jund when I was playing Eidolon of the Great Rebel. Shoot, did I say that out loud where someone else might have heard it? Well, he did. He did it in, in a tournament, and he beat me in two games. Okay, so that's the only time that ever happened, by the way. But it was B.R. Yang. He drew three Blood Braid elves. So, <laughs> I don't know. You don't... It's hard for me to reconcile somebody coming up through fantasy hobby and saying, I'm going to admire characters like the X-Men, or I'm going to admire characters like Samwise Gamgee. Behave this way towards 
random people. That 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 that's hard for me to reconcile. But you know, like I said, I I don't really have a horse in the game. Man, I love those thoughts though. So all right, play me off. So Mike, uh, we could everyone could reach you on, at Five of Flores on Twitter, or definitely check out his podcast with Patrick Chapin, Top Level Podcast. Uh, what's the Twitter? That's at Top Level Podcast. Thing? At Top Level Podcast. I also have two podcasts on your site. They just don't come out that often. They don't. Top Top Imagine <laughs> Ancestral Recall. And so. Ancestral Recall. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot for coming on, Mike. That was Mike Flores, my sensei, someone that was, uh, I'm just, bye, I'm just going to eject to that. <laughs> someone that was integral <laughs> to my uh, success uh, early on uh, of getting known in the Canadian magic community or in the magic community in general, because we were uh, one of the first people on Twitter. And now like almost every relevant magic personality is on Twitter. But back then, not not people embraced the platform as much as he had so he had by far the most followers and him and he helped a lot of us like medina and, and stuff like that by, by tweeting our stuff out and, and by telling everyone uh about them like the a-team would not have been as popular without him retweeting without lauren lee who used to be the uh scg editor she at the time recommended our cast as one of her favorite casts as well so we had a lot of help in the early days of twitter and i owe a lot uh, to him of course always when mike is on any of my shows there's a very uh, there's going to be a lot of people who love it and a lot of people who hate it because he tends to overtake the show. But Rob, did you enjoy his presence? Of course. I mean, it made it very easy to make valid points. <laughs> <laughs> no, all in good fun. I mean, Mike has uh, a very unique way at looking at the game. And if you like kind of dissect and really analyze his thoughts, you can get a lot of good information out of there. It's not, it's not all crazy. Hey, maybe maybe he'll win the invitational, and uh, he just let everyone know. Who's not going with, or no, no, not no? with Vernon. <laughs> I think that's very unlikely. He let everyone know that that's planning to watch the stream or attend uh, what he's planning to play, which is model red and modern, and some sort of a approach deck, possibly or probably blue white in uh, standard. Now we, we we had to quickly get his thoughts on on the community issue, and I want us. Uh, especially Vince, uh, to talk about um, the community issue that was brought up over the weekend. It all started up with Christine Sprankle uh, to catch up people who are listeners who haven't been on Twitter, who aren't aware. Like, a lot of players just, just recently heard of this stuff, whether it's through Reddit or Twitter. But Christine Sprankle had, had tweeted out that she was leaving Magic. Uh, her tweet uh, from her Twitter said, um, it, ha- it has been a rough year and I've blocked. And not say anything about him because I wanted it to die. But without a doubt, MTG headquarters slash Unsleeved Media has made my life hell this whole year with his unnecessary videos, tweets about me and other members of Magic. Um, I feel like a terrible Polish person, like I'm going through a horrible breakup. I love Magic so much, I can't put it into words, but I need my tar- time apart from it. I don't want to become so bitter with one of the things I love. Um, so actually, she didn't mention that she was quitting permanently. I need, I need my time apart uh, from it. And because she had named MTG headquarters as one of the primary reasons uh, in her tweet that she was she needed to take time off, uh, a lot of people started to uh, tweet on MTG headquarters, and there's just a lot of back and forth between uh, the different followers of of either of, of hers of his, and lots of 
Twitter drama that has lasted that that's still going on right now that I, I don't think we've seen in a while, right? Vince, like four days of like constant uh, discussion with a lot of people on this issue. And uh, for me, it's, yeah, it's tough it, because it comes, it, it comes down to, for me, it's tough to, to even have a conversation because it's a lot like some of the more, uh, some of the other debates we've had, whether when I feel both sides just disagree on a very fundamental level, like one side thinks words are important, but others think that you should toughen up, grow thicker skin. And like once you start arguing anything on top of that, it doesn't really matter if you already disagree on that fundamental level. And I know that for me, having produced content, I've never been as successful as some of these people uh, that, that have been uh, part of this, whether it's like Tolarian Academy, the Manasaur is way more successful than I've ever been. But I went from just being doing my own thing to actually putting content out, putting my voice in on a podcast. And I've, I know what it's like to, once you put yourself out there, you're going to get haters and the bad comments that the A team has had over the years might be like, Hey, Jay's really fat or ugly or, or made fun of any of us uh, like that. Or this episode really sucks. Or, you know, your voice is crap. You're super boring, but I can't fan them. I can't imagine the type of feedback cosplayers, uh, some of these other content creators and not just cosplayers, but, the stuff that I'm hearing, like how Tolarian uh, Community College talked about how he was getting death threats and stuff like that, because like those guys are so much bigger than me. So they attract way more haters and on more varying levels. I can't even imagine what it's like to receive those types of comments. The comments that I receive, of course, I can take it and toughen up because they're very minor compared to a lot of uh, the other stuff that, that are just so graphic and, and aggressive. So, yeah, I just have no idea. I'll let you take it away, Vince, because I, I don't know how to ramble after that. I think you made a bunch of good points there. I think that was com- a completely reasonable ramble. Um, I'm also not, I'm still not entirely sure why I'm like the resident social issue slash drama deal with guy on the podcast, but I'll take it. I don't, I don't mind. Because you only play limited. <laughs> yeah, because there's just nothing relevant to talk about because limited is bad right now. That's fair. Um, yeah, it seems, I, I kind of feel like, the this kind of not started obviously this has been an issue for a while but um it kind of came to the surface recently when fournier wrote that article right i think we talked about it on the podcast maybe three weeks ago um he wrote the article about you know trying to be more inclusion uh, based in magic trying to focus on you know um issues that women were having going to tournaments feeling like they didn't belong or were uncomfortable and it was you know an article that wasn't without its flaws, but still generally had a good motive and there was some negative feedback from it. Uh, we talked about it. And then now that this incident's happened, it's kind of rebounded that whole discussion at a much larger scale in terms of the involvement and like the viciousness, I guess. And it's viciousness from both sides at this point. It's not just viciousness from one group or another group. Right. Um, but I do think there's kind of two issues at play here. Like there's there's a smaller issue, which is these these two content creators kind of going at each other. And and I don't know the full details of the story. I had never watched um, an HQ video until this weekend. And within five minutes of watching one of his videos, I got a pretty clear understanding of the type of person he was and didn't really enjoy it. Um, haven't really seen any. I've seen a few pictures of cosplay from Sprinkle, and they were good i don't really care too much about cosplay to to be honest but 
Um, it still sucks to see someone feel like they had to leave the community because of feelings of being harassed by someone else. That's, that's awful. And, and I think that's ultimately what it comes down to, right? Like, as much as people are going to try to politicize this issue or make it something bigger than it is, this is someone who was a role model for people in the magic community who felt like they had to leave. And that's just a bad thing. And I really hope that doesn't happen, it, just in general. Um, that being said, there are probably people who look at HQ as a role model. And I think as much as that's, you know, potentially reality, I think that also kind of sucks because I think a lot of the things that happen on his channel are, are not great for bolstering a good or a, an inclusive a, a magic community that's focused on, um, you know, good values for the community, trying to be more inclusive, trying to be more accepting. And that to me is the only reason why I would see, you know, there's been a lot of clamoring at Watsi saying, you know, ban this guy, get him off the air. Um, I, I, I don't know what that does. I don't know if that actually solves any problems. I don't think that was the only commentary I made on Twitter the whole weekend was that I don't think going, going to Watsi and, and saying, ban this guy does anything he still has his following on youtube there's a lot of people who agree with his sen sentiments and and follow him for a reason so it's not like it's just one person um but i also did see comments on twitter of people saying things like i got introduced to magic from this guy i started watching videos of him opening booster packs and you know that's the guy who's influencing my opinion in the magic community and that to me is kind of unfortunate in a lot of ways because i think and again, this is my opinion, and this can be taken however people want to take it, but I don't like seeing a guy with that size of a platform and with an influence like that bringing new people into the community and then calling people, you know, beta males or cucks or whatever whatever other terms he wants to use, right? Like, I, I just don't, I don't really like to see speech used that way. And I'm not trying to censor it, but at the same time, I can very easily say I, I don't want to see it or I don't tolerate it. Um, I've also kind of seen a lot of people back away from this issue and I respect that. I get it. Like it's not relevant to you personally. It doesn't, you feel like you don't have a, a, a stake in the game at all because a, you don't follow this guy. You don't follow cosplay and you don't feel like you're harassed or involved in any harassment. So why should you care about this? And that's fair to an extent, but at the same time, there are people who don't get to say that, right? There are people in our magic community that would love the opportunity to say, I'm indifferent. This doesn't affect me. I don't care. And I think there's kind of an onus on people who have the luxury of saying, this doesn't affect me, to stand up for people who don't have that opportunity. So I kind of want to implore people just to, it's not a lot of effort. It's minimal effort. Like it's, it's, it's really straightforward to just try to be a little bit more vigilant if you see someone being harassed or someone, you know, treating someone poorly. It's just, it's really simple. Just like, don't be a bad person. Don't be an asshole. Try to be nice. Um, and ultimately, if we can all do that or make a, an effort to move forward that way, we're bettering our community. So I think that would be like my, my takeaway from this is just try to be a nice person, regardless of whatever political affiliations you have, whatever feelings you have outside of that. If you could just be a good person, we'd all have a much better time here, including people that feel like they're being marginalized. So that's pretty much where I stand. 
yeah, you, you brought up, like, I'm also at a loss for words when people are, like, suggesting and wanting immediate action from WOTC. Some even wanted action from them over Thanksgiving weekend. And I, I didn't, I don't expect such a decision that will, like, set such a precedent to be, like, taken just like that. That I expect that they probably had an important meeting time set up for this week to discuss this issue when they're all back at, at the actual office to, to talk things through. That's what I, I expected. So I don't, I don't expect an immediate like answer from them. Yeah, and in all honesty, the only reason why Wizards should react, and I'm not trying to say Wizards is like a soulless corporation that doesn't think about the members of their community, but realistically, the, the major reason why Wizards wants to react in this situation is for ma- mainly PR reasons. Like They don't want to lose a whole bunch of people to the fact that they're not responding to this issue appropriately, but also because this guy has a large platform and is pulling a reasonable number of people into the magic community and is kind of doing it in a way that I don't think aligns very well with what wizards values in terms of what they want to see in their own community. That being said, this is an issue that needs to be handled within the community itself. Wizards can't just start playing the role of ban hammer for anyone who, who's, you know, not promoting their values or is kind of just being a dick for lack of a better word. <laughs> we have to, as a community kind of stifle those people and it's really right. easy to do it as a group. We can just be like, I don't want to watch your videos because they don't interest me or I don't want to follow you on Twitter. I'm not going to engage you in a conversation or I'm going to call you out just in a way of like, don't say that to someone. That's not a nice thing to say, but um, yeah, I, I don't think that's, that's wizards of the coast job. They're not like, community moderators they're a company that sells magic cards like it's i don't know it's weird to expect watsi i think let me just kind of sidetrack this a little bit i think a lot of people are also saying you know hey i tweeted at watsi to, to help stop this i'm i'm helping i'm promoting good stuff by saying at wizards of the coast ban this guy and then when they ban him i'm gonna pat myself on the back and high five all my friends and i helped make the community a safer and better place. You didn't really do anything. It's the equivalent of like thoughts and prayers after, you know, a tragedy that you see on Facebook all the time. You're not, you're not helping. You haven't done anything. You haven't helped grow the community in a better way. You're just taking the easiest road to feel like you're an ally and you're not actually doing anything. So that's the part of me when I saw people just going like, this is awful. Watsy do something. It's like, no, you're responsible for your community as much as anyone else's and just say, you know what, I'm going to try to make it a better place too. And if I see that type of harassment or any type of, you know, wrongdoing on someone, I'll, I'll make an effort to make it a better place. I'm opening a card store in hopefully a few weeks. You can sure believe that I'm not going to be tolerating that kind of behavior in my store. Like I'll tell you now, if you're the type of person who's going to come in and be hateful and be and be mean and rude to other people you're not going to be playing in my store it's as simple as that so it's just steps like that that we can make as a community to help make it a better place love that uh wanted to continue on 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 your on the whole like not knowing what they would do because uh evan orwin mr orange like made a long series of tweets and you know he did a he did say like it, even if they ban him, like what's that going to do? Because he probably doesn't play in sanctioned events, right? So how how big of a punishment is it to ban him? And according to Evan, might even give him more ammunition because like he wants to be ostracized. He wants to have that narrative, like he like Wizards is like the victim. Like so, for me, like it really 
yeah, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm just going to keep doing yeah. what I've done since. I mean, again, like I don't want to dwell on the the individuals in the situation because I think that's also missing the point of it. This being a larger community issue, but yeah, just to expand on what you just said, this is a guy who makes his living off of literally makes his living off of drama. He creates it, and then he, you know, has this legion of people who watch him for it. So banning him just further incentivizes him to make more of these like you know, I've been wrong videos that are going to generate more traction. So it's the only thing I could see being a benefit, like a major benefit is if wizard says you can no longer make Matt, uh, YouTube videos with our product in it, or you can know, I don't know how they enforce that. I'm not sure if they can, I don't know all the legal issues. It would be great to have Brian here. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just blanket term lawyer. I'm assuming you'd know. Yeah, I don't know if he's that kind of lawyer, <laughs> but you know, maybe, maybe, you know, something. Maybe from a friend of a friend, but anyway, all I'm saying is if, if if they could stop him from making videos about opening booster packs and then the next video is like just like ripping off random people on Twitter for no reason, that would be cool. But I don't know if it could happen. So again, I don't know what power Watsi has in this situation. It's it's up to us for sure. Yeah, I, I mean I'm just gonna keep doing what I've done since like seven years ago when I started to site and try to connect different people or uh, make the game an awesome weather store I was frequent like playing at frequently playing at an awesome place to be and without like people are comparing it and say like oh this doesn't happen in this game or Hearthstone or whatever but I mean it's because of this game that I was able to meet you guys uh, my my A team cast which you know I. It's just incredible how close I've become with, with those people. Like my friend Jay, I, I flew to his wedding. I flew all the way across the country to his wedding. A guy that I've never, I've only met like once or twice in real life. And he invited me out. So magic has been the reason for a lot of my uh, close relationships. And the reason why uh, there's some high school friends of mine, college friends of mine that I still keep in touch with because magic is what has, has stuck us together. So there's a really insane amount of positive to the game and to the community and i like the only thing i'll do is what i've always done which is just keep being positive and promoting the good yeah for sure i think like i think that's ultimately what it comes down to is magic is is so great for making relationships and important relationships in a lot of people's lives that why like let's make sure that everyone has that opportunity to really get to know the good side of magic and let's not try to exclude people from that opportunity. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's a really good point that, that magic has a lot of good. Go- and here's the thing too, like the way you reacted to that is in terms of saying, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. That's the appropriate response for a lot of people, but there are a constituent of people who see things or hearing things like what I'm saying, which is like, let's, you know, let's be vigilant. Let's make an effort to try to stop hate and all that kind of stuff. And they get kind of personally attacked. Like, hold on a second. I don't say rude things. I'm not a bad person. Why are you telling me to do that? You can just simply say in your head or out loud, if it helps, I'm not a bad person. Cool. That's okay. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. It's no one's being like, I'm not trying to go after anyone here. I'm just saying, steps that can be made to help make our community a better place. So don't feel like I'm coming after you by saying, be a better person. Like I'm, I'm just saying it in terms of steps that can help us move forward here. And we're all accountable. Maybe you're already doing the right thing. Good for you. I'm not trying to say you're not. Because a lot of people react negatively to you saying like, Hey, let's, let's try to make a positive difference here. 
<laughs> Which is weird, right? Yeah. Uh, I have to mention uh, the most awesome video response on this topic that people should watch if they want to really get all the information they want about this topic, which is put out by uh, Tolarian College, the professor. Uh, it's called In Response, What We Owe to Each Other. And it, it just goes over a lot of stuff we just talked about and how, like, you know, maybe words don't don't hurt you or jokes are, you know, it's just like, it's just a joke. Everything's just a joke. But it's that's not true. Like, um, it's not true to a lot of people. And it's also not true when you are someone, like Vince said, this guy has a lot of followers. Uh, whether like there's there's rumors whether they're real or not but he has a lot of influence and a lot of followers and when he talks about when he behaves a certain way or says something it's going to affect the community uh a lot in a negative way and and like he joked apparently joked about let's say crashing a wedge was doing a time to do a q and a i think it was gp vegas and there was a thread started that that all ultimately got deleted and out of hand but People were challenged, like, were told to, like, I think if he was going to buy anyone a drink who was going to ask him, like, a, a silly question or anything. A bunch related, of really offensive questions, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To, related and to he made up some of them on his own, too, yeah. I think that, like, referencing that video, uh, I, I don't know the guy's name. I Like, I don't watch a lot of MTG YouTube, but Tolarian Community College, the video he made. The professor. Just the professor. Let's call him the professor, okay. Uh, made a really mature and kind of like forward thinking comment during that video, which, which is where he said, you know, like I, I feel for this guy who's getting death threats right now, because what, what happens is we kind of live in this kind of culture of outrage, right? Where one side does something and then the other side reacts like way over the top and the other side reacts even more over the top. And sometimes it takes someone to just be like, listen, everyone is being a little bit crazy right now. Let's stop with the death threats. Let's stop with all of the these because you can't you can't be someone that's preaching, you know, be a good person, be a nice guy, while saying I hope you die to someone else. Like they're just not congruent with each other. So, a uh, huge shout out to him, even though he's having you know his personal issues with this guy to to go out of his way to say like let's not and send him messages of like I, I hope you die. Like that's just not something you should be saying to someone ever. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, in my head, I'm just thinking of all the, even huge name celebrities that have sworn off Twitter and, and other platforms because of the abusive guy. Like, one that comes to mind is Ed Sheeran, who, because I think people were giving him a lot of crap for his Game of Thrones appearance, that he's just gone from Twitter and he's never come back. And so, like, these words do affect people, especially when there's a lot of them, and especially when they're really, really, again, uh, sexual in nature and really aggressive, really violent, um, and frequent and never ending, and you don't get a break. Like this is this is the dark side of social media, right? There's a, I, I would never say social media has been a net negative, but there's definitely consequences to social media that aren't like super looked into that are have some pretty negative effects on people's lives for sure. But it's definitely a. Come to like big time in the magic community, and I hope we can move forward from this in a good way. That's that's all I hope. And again, I'm not. I don't think this is about two people or two characters. It's a much larger issue that involves a lot more people, as we've clearly seen on on Twitter recently. So I hope, uh, for the sake of of the game, that you know 
has brought the three of us on here, the whole podcast, everyone who's watching, a lot of joy and a lot of good friends. I hope that that can keep happening for as many people that, you know, deserve it as possible. Yeah. And again, yeah, check that, check out that video. And uh, well, people are using like Twitter and, and like Instagram now, now more, more and more people are using them as just like one way communication tools because there's just too much hate coming their way. That's not even worth their time to interact with any of us because you know, it's not worth their, like the hate that the, the abuse that they're getting. It's just not worth it. Uh, Robin, any, anything you want to add as we uh, wrap the show up? Uh, yeah. Okay. So like, I, I obviously, I mean, I'm probably going to say something that someone's going to try and flame me on, but I obviously agree with everything that you said, right? Like, uh, this behavior is unacceptable. It should be dealt with. Do I, I agree completely with your stance that it's unacceptable for the community to think Watsi should a deal with it over Thanksgiving holiday and then deal with it immediately after coming back. Like the people that need to deal with it are probably not even back from vacation yet, right? And they have to vet it through their lawyers, through Hasbro lawyers. It's just like, I saw some comments on Twitter that were like, if Watsi doesn't make an announcement today that this guy's banned or whatever, I'm quitting magic. It's like, that is very stupid thought process to have because like, it's just completely unreasonable and it doesn't do anything. Like you don't want them to do the wrong thing either, right? Like you want Watsi to process this properly and do do something that's effective, right? And you don't want them to come up with some wishy-washy statement, which is what they did on Thanksgiving because they obviously didn't have time to actually like figure out what they're going to do. And it was just like, hey, we don't condone this stuff. We're going to look at it, right? And like, if you want them to say something again today, that's what they're going to do. Like, hey, we don't condone this stuff. It needs to be reviewed to understand what action we can and will take, right? And I think that is fine. And then uh, maybe just my second point is that there's a lot of people, because I, I read, I was very bored this weekend. I read a lot of Twitter, and I was disheartened to see that a lot of people were on, they were on the right side of the argument were not doing right. So, like, I don't think it's sufficient that you're on the right side of the argument. You, that doesn't just give you a free license to, to say whatever you want. Like, you don't, you don't get to be like, well, I'm standing up for diversity and change and, and whatever, so I can just be a literal dick <laughs> to everybody because, like, my, you know, the root of my message is true, so I'm allowed to say anything hateful. It doesn't matter. The other people on the other side don't, you know, they, they don't matter. I think that it's much, much better, much more productive to be on the right side of the argument and to also be doing right, if that makes any sense, right? So, like, don't stoop down to the level of the other people because it just allow, it gives them something to latch onto and say, look at you hypocrites. You're just like us. So there's no reason for me to stop what I'm doing because you're also just like me. And, th- and then that's what they feed off of. And that's why you get, like, kind of where we're at with this whole Sprankle thing, which was, like, you know, these two groups just at the bottom just kept going and then yeah like you know she's basically the casualty of this stupid war between these two groups of people and it's it's not it's not acceptable and that's just not how you want to it's not what we want in the community and that's not what you should want from society so i don't know i think if we're a little more more focused on on that from our side if you think you're on the right side of the argument to try and also do right i think it'll it'll help de-escalate some of these conflicts so that 
um, maybe they can come to a proper conclusion where people aren't like, you know, seriously hurt in a, in a meaningful way. Right. Like obviously this escalated way out of hand um, to the point where someone decided that they just had enough. Right. I think if, uh, you know, if, if we, um, if we try and do our part and be a little more civil that, um, you know, it's maybe easier to just, those people just kind of, it's something you can do. Like you just want them to go away. Right. And if you don't feed the trolls, then they, they do end up, you know, usually going somewhere else to eat. <laughs> but they are, the trolls are hungry. That's, that's how it is. You got a hear hear from, uh, Sergio Ferry, your biggest fan, I think. <laughs> Shout out to Sergio. Shout out to Jonathan Medina, Justin Roberge, Aaron Barrett, uh, Jeff Bugen Hagen. Uh, thanks for uh, Zach. Uh, thanks for being in the chat. Uh, really means a lot, especially when we're talking about about this stuff. Um, I think, like, it just felt like only. I think my girlfriend mentioned like it was only a couple of weeks that we had like a deep topic with with uh, the woman in magic. We had Chantal co- came in, and, and now there's this. Uh, it's, but anyways, let's hope we're talking about getting games for the next, like at least through Christmas. Like, come on, please. I think we, we as a community can make it. There's been Basically, so much garbage since we haven't talked about iconic masters. We haven't talked I know. about. I mean, I haven't to, we haven't talked about arrival of Ixalan spoilers. This is just. I'm on for two. For I'm on for two things: social issues and getting mad at Wizards of the Coast for making mistakes. There's been so many mistakes. I think social issues take uh, take the precedent. Obviously. Hey, if, if you wanted magic, we, we had the Flores gave you all you wanted. <laughs> Man, yeah, he served it up. Like, he served it up hot. Side note about Flores on here, like, and I Rob was kind of hinting at this, like distilling wisdom from what he says. He's like, even in our podcast, was saying things. I'm like, I have never thought about that in magic. Oh God, like, no! Don't give him too much credit. No, no, one hundred percent. He's like. He's got a brain for this game that not a lot of people do, and I'm not like I'm not trying to say he's like, like oh my god, he's the best player in the world. But the way he thinks about the game is is very interesting, and like I totally get why people would want to listen to him every week. Is in the in the nuggets of him being like, ah, burns the best deck. I kill you on turn three every game. Ha <laughs> ha. He'll say things you're like, oh wait a minute, that was really smart. I've never thought about that. That's really cool. I think he's he's actually one of the guests that were. Whenever, like I said, whenever I had him on a, as a guest on one of my shows, there is significant amount of people that do not like it. Oh, I can totally, I can totally see why. I mean, I think, I think you started a question being like, "So, what do you think about standard?" And not thirty seconds in, we're talking about burn in modern. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You, I think you, if people like structure, he's not your guy. But if if you're willing to listen to to a narrative to get to a really good point, it's it's good. It's good stuff. Rob, did you enjoy uh, arguing with him? <laughs> oh, it was great. Actually, uh, I hope I get to sit down with him like uh, next time I had a cheap. Oh, oh that. No, it, it, it's actually it, it's fun, right? Because um, I mean, some people don't understand this, but like for people that like to argue, so there's some people that just like to get in an argument. That that's fine. But there's people that like to debate things, right? I I feel like I'm closer to liking to debate, but I also do like to argue. So I'm not like, I'm probably closer to the middle than one side or the other. Anyways, the good thing about having very heated debates is that both people are very much encouraged to bring their strongest points. 
And that if if one side ever caves to the other, you have like really good confidence that that opinion or that thought process is correct because you're both coming in like the other person's an idiot. I'm going to destroy them. And then at the end of it, if you're just like, oh, never mind, he was right, or ne- the other person like, oh, never mind, you're right, then it's like, okay, yeah, we, we, you know, we got something here, right? And if you don't do that, if you just have like nonchalant, like, oh, what do you think about Monterey? Eh, it's pretty good. What do you think? Eh, maybe Teamer. It's like, okay, <laughs> so when you come out of that discussion, like, what's better, Monterey or Teamer? <laughs> Neither of you know, right? <laughs> so uh, I, I very much like that uh, type of banter because at the end of it. Um, there's a, a reasonable chance that uh, you, you do come to the truth. All right. Uh, Shouts to Mike. Shouts to our First Strike uh, Nation producers. Jonathan Good, Kalsen Merchig, Jay Thomas Eaton, uh, Derek Pike, Matthew Kelly, Adrian Murchison, Brent Vickers, and all our First Strike Nation members. Um, yeah, for those jumping in, of course, uh, you can just go to, just contact me on Facebook to get added to the group. And there's going to be a link there on how to join our Google Drive. And again, if you have any decks that you want a cyborg guide for, leave it in the uh, group and we'll get my team working on that. With that, we will see you next Monday. And shout out to Kyle. Hope you enjoy this long episode. For uh, Rob, Vince, and me, this was First Strike. See you guys next time.